Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I don't get it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the I Don't Get It podcast. Ashley, Lauren, and Naz here. And we're so excited to be joined by the... Melissa Urban, New York Times bestseller and author of a book that I felt like really changed my life and was like paradigm shifting for me that my mentor Rachel recommended that I read called The Book of Boundaries. Uh, Hi, Melissa. Hi. Thank you so much (laughs) for having me. Hello. We're so excited to talk to you about boundaries because it boundaries are just... I think the reason why your book is so revolutionary is because everyone, you know, we're in this like self-help wellness, like to the max at this point where I feel like every, at least every Instagram or social media account I follow is all about like mental health and stuff. But people don't really tell you how to set boundaries. They're just like, you need to set boundaries. Mm -hmm. And what I thought was so prolific is that in your book, you actually write out Mm -hmm. what you should say to people in the workplace, to your partner, to your friend, to your sister, whatever it is. And I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. Like you can literally copy and paste or write out your own draft. Here's someone who's actually helping people set boundaries. So um, I would love to just first ask you and start this conversation with all of us. um, I just wanted to ask you why you think boundaries are so scary to set for people and like why we just don't do them. Yes. Boundaries are scary. When I say the word, typically people get this icky look on their face. Like they kind of immediately pull back. And I think we have a few misconceptions about boundaries that contribute to this. And then we have some systemic and societal influences, especially for women that contribute to this. So I think one of the things is a misconception that boundaries are controlling, that they're mean, that they're about telling other people what to do, that they're selfish. And we may have been taught that by people we've been trying to set boundaries with Mm -hmm. because they don't want us to do that because it's really inconvenient for them. But we've sort of adopted this framework that boundaries might be one of those negative things. And that makes us less likely to want to set them because they do feel selfish or they do feel uncomfortable. A lot of that though comes down to influences from the patriarchy and stereotypically rigid gender roles and diet culture and sometimes religious influences and maybe even trauma that have conditioned women in particular to be small, to be compliant, to not have needs. And when we do express those needs, we are told we are selfish. We are called the B word or worse. And so we have learned to put everybody else's comfort and feelings and needs ahead of our own and not advocate for ourselves. And all of these influences mean that when we want to start setting and holding boundaries for the good of our mental health and our relationships, there's a lot of unlearning we have to do first. I want to mention that you are the founder and CEO of Whole30, which is unbelievable. It's been around for 13 years. And if you guys haven't heard of Whole30, it's a it's a what'd you call it? You don't call it a diet. You call it a diet? It's based on the framework 
Yeah, it's like a 30 day. It's based on the framework of an elimination diet. So there is some component of paying attention to what you eat. But yeah, we call it like a 30 day self experiment, really. How did creating that and then you having been an addict in the past create this portion of you that is just really good at setting boundaries? Yes, I was not always good at setting boundaries. I like most of us, boundaries were not modeled for me at home. They're not taught to you in school or in the workplace. They're one of those essential life skills like credit management that like you're expected to know, but nobody talks to you about. And so it's typically only in moments of crisis where you realize you don't have these skills and you really need them. I was a drug addict for five years. I've been in recovery now for 23 years. But I spent five years addicted to drugs. When I got out of recovery, I had a year in recovery and relapsed in part because I had no boundaries. I didn't know how to advocate for my needs. I didn't know how to talk about my feelings. And it wasn't until I got out of rehab the second time that a boundary tumbled out of my mouth completely accidentally because I was so scared for myself and my recovery. I found myself at a party I didn't belong at, feeling really unsafe. And I said to my friend, I can't be here. I have to go home. And I didn't know that that was a boundary, but it was. And I realized that boundaries were going to be the key to preserving my recovery. Mm -hmm. So I began setting them with others, setting them with myself. You know, that led me to health and fitness and paying attention to what I ate and exercising, which led me to Whole30. And Whole30 really is kind of like a boundary boot camp. It's an elimination program. So you are eliminating foods for 30 straight days, which means you say no a lot to the wine at happy hour, the break room donuts, the birthday party pizza. And I quickly realized back in 2009 with the Whole30 that people struggled to say no, especially in social situations and especially, especially with peer pressure. Free, free food. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. When it's free, it's so hard. When she said birthday pizza, I was like, yeah, that one's so hard. I yeah. know. Expecting to have pizza, but you're like, it's free pizza. And we're all adults. <laughs> with credit cards and iPhones who can order a pizza anytime we want. Exactly. But they're so much more special when I it's just they're being offered for free. And those are always my like diet downfalls. Also, everything just tastes better when it's free. Yeah, that's, I mean, fair, right? Fair. Um, so I started helping people say no on the Whole30 to hold their commitment, hold their promise to themselves. But I gave them very specific language, right? It's mm-hmm. not just like, well, just say no. It's, okay, what you tell people is, no, thanks, I'm not drinking right now. Or, nope, I'm doing a 30-day self-experiment and I'm not eating gluten right now. So I gave them the words so that they would feel more comfortable practicing. And then when in social situations those ca- things came up, the words would be right there and your body would sort of intuitively know, okay, these words are my truth. I've spoken them before. They feel comfortable and they come out more confidently. Mm-hmm. All of that led to in 2020, in the middle of the pandemic, you know, people realized I was really good at helping them say no to food and drink. And then they started asking me, well, what about my pushy mother-in-law? What about my coworker that's always gossiping? What about my best friend who's always emotionally dumping on me? And I started helping them with those boundary scenarios as well. And mid-pandemic, when home and school and work and kids and relationships all like ran into each other and we realized we had no boundaries. That was where the concept for the book of boundaries came from. I just want to quickly note that, um, first of all, your story is so inspiring and incredible. And we're so lucky to have you here for this convo. But I want to quickly note that 
even though boundaries are scary, because that's where we started this convo, I remember hearing in your book, because I got the Audible version, which I highly recommend um, for anyone who's like lives in LA, because you can easily listen to the whole book while you're driving. <laughs> um, that That as soon as you said it, you feel so much better. And yes. it sounds like that's how you felt that first moment when you said, I have to go home. I can't be here right now. I thought, and I think most people think that boundaries are going to shrink your life. They are going mm-hmm. to make your life smaller. You're going to feel isolated. People are going to react po- poorly all the time. It's going to create conflict. And what I discovered in that moment and what I've discovered in all of my boundary setting since is that it's exactly the opposite. Boundaries bring freedom, tremendous freedom. They bring Mm -hmm. a sense of trust and openness and respect into relationships. They relieve you of the anxiety and the dread and the resentment and the frustration that you feel around certain people where, you know, they're overstepping with their words or actions. They help you keep a promise to yourself and remind yourself that I am worthy of having needs that it's okay to advocate for my needs and my feelings. And not only should I be on my own damn list, I should be at the top Mm -hmm. because very often Mm -hmm. we're either not on the list or we're dead last. So the more you practice, the more comfortable it becomes, the more you can separate the idea that in order to be liked, I have to be nice and compliant and learn that in standing up for yourself, like you like yourself a whole lot better All of these things happen with a boundary practice and they do require a little bit of trust and a little bit of being willing to sit in what might feel like discomfort at first. That's what I was going to say. Same person. Um, I feel like I'm a kind of person, like our family doesn't have a lot of boundaries. Like we're, and I don't set any boundaries really. So I feel like when I listen to the boundary talk, I feel like on the other side kind of of someone else telling me their boundaries and I feel scared. Yes. <laughs> like when someone tells me like, oh, don't talk talk to me like past this time or something, I'd be like, you hate me. Yeah. You absolutely hate me. Yeah. So but, I feel like okay. that's what I struggle with on the other side. I want to reframe this for you. So if you and I are friends and I say to you, hey, can you please not text me after eight? That's just my like unwind time and I'm going to put my phone on do not disturb. That is my way of inviting you into my life in a closer capacity. I want Mm -hmm. to be friends with you. I want our relationship to be good. And if you keep texting me at 10 p.m., I'm going to be annoyed and I'm going to be resentful. So I'm going to be super kind. And in an effort to make our relationship even better, I'm going to say, I have this need. You probably didn't know I had it. So I'm Mm going to share it with you really clearly. And you go, okay, that's cool. And now our relationship is better. It's more open. It's more trusting. We're communicating in a time that works great for both of us. Boundaries are an invitation to keep people in your life because you care. Yeah. It's so true because I constantly have to do this because I employ people around me, whether it's like hair and makeup or like an assistant. And when things come up for me, I'm like, I think we're so used to like the old me would just keep it in and be like, I don't want to hurt someone's feelings. I don't want it to be weird. But then what I realized is the longer it took, the weirder I got, the more resentful I got, the more like, ugh, this annoyed me I got. Instead of just being like, oh, let me care about how Naz feels. And let me say, hey, like when we do this, this is my expectation. Uh, I love you. And I'm letting you know because I love you so that (laughs) there's no weirdness later. Yes. Okay, friends, this incredible episode about boundaries is sponsored and brought to you by BetterHelp. So 
if you have set a boundary with someone in your life, whether it's a partner, the workplace, a friend, and let's say it did not go well, <laughs> you need to talk to someone about it. Uh, BetterHelp is there for you. I love BetterHelp. It is therapy that you can enjoy from the comfort of your own home. And whether or not you've experienced therapy personally, I just want to talk about the broader benefits that I've experienced from going to therapy. I feel like there are a lot of things that even when it comes to like setting boundaries, sometimes I don't know how to do it and I want to talk it out with someone. Um, and so I will do that with my therapist or I'll get advice from a therapist on whether or not it's the right scenario to set a boundary. Um, so those are the many reasons why I love, love using BetterHelp. We're all growing and changing at all times. And sometimes changes happen and they're a little bit more dramatic than others. You know, sometimes you're like, ah, I can't work through this by myself. So you need somebody else. And that is when BetterHelp can really come into play in your life. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. It is designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. And if you don't like the therapist that you're matched with, or maybe you like them, but they're not right for you in this capacity then you can change at any time, no additional charge. Dating therapists is a totally normal thing to do. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. So visit betterhelp.com slash get it today for 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash get it. Now, if, if there's a person that like, you know, you'll never see again and they say something to you that like, I don't know. Like, um, I saw in one of your interviews that you mentioned, like, oh, someone says you're pretty, but you're having difficulty with your body image and you don't want to accept these compliments. Do you tell that person you're never going to see again your boundary or you just let that one fly? It really it's depends. A it's a great question. And there's a chapter in the book called Sensitive Situations where, you know, these are boundaries that you may set with total strangers. You may not have a relationship with this person, but when you overhear someone in a crowd say something racist or homophobic or, you know, someone misgenders somebody else or misgenders you, you may choose to bring it up as sort of a learning opportunity for someone. So for example, if, you know, somebody says to me, wow, you look great. Have you lost weight? I might say, I would really prefer people not comment on my body like that. It doesn't feel great. And, you know, you never know what someone's going through. What if I had been sick right, or, right. you know, what if I had cancer? I might use that as the learning opportunity. Or if I'm never going to see that person again, I might just say thanks and move on. Okay. It depends on how safe I feel in the moment. So if you are trans or non-binary or another marginalized identity and you don't feel safe to advocate, advocate for yourself, that you certainly don't have to. Sometimes it's just like not worth the hassle, but then other times, you know, I never let it slide when I overhear someone saying something that's racist. I'm always, right. even if I'm three people behind them in line, I'm like, hey, that's not okay. And that mm -hmm. might be all I say, but it's something. That's good. I yeah. would love to, so the reason why I love your book so much is because it's broken up by chapter with like the different categories in your life that you would set boundaries in. So for example, there's like partnerships and then there's friendships. And then I, I, I think number three is workplace. Is chapter three, the workplace. Yeah. That's the one okay, I opened so with. You, 
I can't tell you how many times because I we all work in the entertainment industry. And so often I walk into spaces, Melissa, whether it's a shoot or an interview I'm doing, and I can just tell like producers I'm working with that everyone around me is exhausted. Everyone's exhausted. Everyone's answering emails. Like I'm getting emails at 9 p.m. about the shoot the next day. And I have literally taken people aside and been like, you need to set boundaries in the workplace. Like, I don't care that this is an industry standard for the entertainment industry. Like, you need to tell people that you were not answering emails at whatever time. So I was hoping we could go through different categories or we don't have to if the conversation doesn't lead that way. But for people that work in... Because the entertainment industry isn't the only industry like that, right? There's like finance. There's all... I feel like I was going to mention my industry. I'm a hairstylist and people Mm -hmm. will literally look at my schedule and be like, oh, you're off that day. Why don't you just come and like do it at like seven? Like I see you're off, you know? I'm like, that was my one day. Please don't take it from me. But they see it and they're like, they want it. So like, I feel like every industry is kind of like that. Yes. It's sales. It's real estate. Every industry does have their stuff. So what can we do? I was hoping in this podcast, you could give us some examples for people listening on what they can say, what they can do for specific scenarios that maybe me, Ashley and Lauren bring up. Um, in the workplace, like what are your thoughts? What are some things we can say or email? Yeah. So let's talk about the hairdressing situation or anybody mm-hmm. who's in sort of an aesthetic kind of um, service industry. One of the things that I like to say, it can be very tempting, especially if you're new, launching your own business, launching your own brand to immediately say yes to everything because yeah. you just don't know when the opportunity is going to come and like you kind of need the money sometimes. But it is better to establish firm boundaries ahead of time and then do people favors if you choose to extend them mm-hmm. than it is to have yourself be wide open and let people do whatever they want and then try to reel it in later with clients that are already existing. True. That's a really hard thing. Once you ring that bell, it's hard to unring. So one of the things I like to talk about is could you automate your boundary? Do you have a clear written cancellation policy, credit card policy, so that if somebody just is a no-show, you don't even have to do anything to set the boundary. Their card is on file. They've signed a document that says they're going to be charged 50% of the service and you charge it and move on with your day. Mm -hmm. Or there's a policy that says if you no-show three times in a row, you're no longer a client. Goodbye. So how many things could you automate up front so that you don't have to have the conversation? When it comes to things like, oh, I see you have a day off, prepare what your response is ahead of time. I don't schedule... Like, yes, it's my day off. I don't schedule appointments during that time. Or I don't come in on days off unless you are an existing client, whatever that looks like for you. But one of the kind of key components of the book, and especially in the workplace chapter, is people will take as much as you are willing to give. And that is not a knock on anybody. It is just basic human nature. And it is the nature of the capitalistic society that we live in. So your clients will take as much as you are willing to give, and it is your job to protect your space, your energy, your mental health, and your capacity because you do not have limit unlimited creativity. You do not have unlimited patience. You do not have an unlimited eye for detail. And if you take True. on too many clients, if you're booking them too close together, It'll if you suffer. are coming in on your days off, everything's going to suffer. So yeah. like you are doing your the clients you have a service by setting and holding these boundaries, not 100%. only for yourself, but for the relationship and for the reputation and growth of your brand. 
Love it's a great example. Melissa, can you give one for people that are getting emails late at night? I feel like that's one for a lot of people across the board. And I hear from a lot of friends like, well, I can't, I'll get fired, you know, or that's not everyone else is working. So then, you know, I won't get that promotion or I'm not going to be seen as like a really good employee. What are your thoughts and responses to like those worries and concerns? Boundaries in the workplace are challenging because of the power dynamics at play in that A boundary doesn't tell other people what to do. It tells other people the actions that you are willing to take for the good of your physical health, your mental health, and the relationship. And sometimes those Um, actions are either really hard or impossible. For example, if you continue to say to your boss, I will not answer email past 7 p.m. That is when I am off my shift. I need my family time. I need my relaxing time. And your boss says, if you don't answer emails, you're fired. You don't have much of an option there. You can walk from your job, but some people, many people can't afford to just find a new job. It's not that easy. What I will say, though, is that when you've been letting people overrun your boundaries for a really long time, it can feel like you only have two options. Continue to let them run you over exactly as they have been or burn the relationship to the ground. And there are an infinite number of possibilities in between those two. And I want you to try to set and hold boundaries in the workplace so that if you get to the point where you say, this workplace environment is so toxic, they have proven that they will not respect my boundaries, they do not have a culture of respect, then at least you know you gave it your best shot Mm -hmm. and you can make the decision that's based on, you know, the work that you've tried to do. So Again, when it comes to working after hours, it can be very simple. I don't answer email past 6 p.m. unless it's an emergency. And if it's an emergency, text me. If the building is on fire, I want you to text me. Mm -hmm. But if it's not an emergency, I'll respond when I'm back in the office. This is a very common practice now when you have teams. My team is fully remote. We're in every U.S. time zone. Very common practice. And some bosses even have at the bottom of their email signature, I work on East Coast time, but I do not expect you to respond if it's too early or too late for you. And that's that's a nice nice. practice to model. But then you have to hold it. This is the thing. If you say, I'm not answering Mm -hmm. emails past 6 p.m., you can't go home. And at 7, just check your email real quick and send like one little response because it's easy. You have to be the one to hold that boundary. Slippery slope when you start responding like 7.05. Oh, I'll just do it at 8. Correct. Yes. Yeah, once you do it, then it holds no validity. And you can't send an email because you need something done either. (laughs) Exactly. Yes, exactly. So my situation is a little bit different, but I do think that it could kind of relate to people on a macro scale when we talk about social media in general and having um, boundaries there. So... I am pretty much full-time influencer and my my whole being, uh, my whole job is based on documenting my life. Mm-hmm. So you can tell like, I don't know when to stop documenting my life mm-hmm. and it to be like, oh, this is an enjoyable moment and not one to be shared. Because a lot of the moments that I would choose to not share would be the best content. Yeah. I get it. Um, I also document some of my life. I won't say I'm an influencer, but I do sponsored content, right? And uh-huh. I share and social media is a big part of my platform. The rubric that I've used for as long as I can remember, I stole it from Brene Brown. She's cool with it. But I oh, share I what is... so much. I know. She's a gem. Um, I share what is personal, but not intimate. So when I share things that are personal, I will tell you what I had for breakfast. I'll show you my lunch. 
Um, if I've been processing something that's kind of heavy in therapy, you know, once I've worked through it and I feel really settled and accepted of it myself, then I will share it with my audience. It feels personal, but not intimate. Um, I will talk about, you know, I talked about that time I got chlamydia a couple years ago. That felt personal, <laughs> but not intimate because I wasn't in yeah. the middle of it, right? But the things that feel intimate, my son, for example, I do not say his name. You will never see a photo of him on social media. That is just for me. My husband and I got married two years ago, didn't tell anyone for six weeks, did it totally under the radar, didn't just needed it to be for us. I don't talk about things I'm going through when I'm in the middle of them because it feels too raw. It feels too vulnerable. So that's the metric and the rubric that I use. And I will tell you that if I'm out on a hike and I just don't feel like documenting it, no matter how beautiful it is, I freaking don't. Yes, I just don't. I am not a slave to my social media feed. I will take days off if I need them. I will say no to a campaign if I need to. That does require some level of financial privilege. I understand. Yeah. But if you are at that level, you have to be the one to set those boundaries because otherwise, again, people will consume as much as you are willing to give them. And then nothing is yours anymore. And that doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. All right. That was a good answer. What do you feel about people just who don't don't need to post on social media for their financial state, but they just can't stop posting and can't stop scrolling? Yeah. You know, boundaries around social media are a really important self-boundary. We often talk about setting and holding boundaries with others, but setting and holding boundaries with yourself is an incredibly important and powerful practice because only one person needs to agree. You don't have to have a conversation. You don't need anyone else's buy-in or cooperation. And you can immediately reclaim some of your time, energy, capacity, and mental health right this very second by setting a boundary with yourself. So, you know, one of the things I talk about in terms of social media is that social media is a pull, not a push. I will not allow anybody to push anything onto me without my permission, which means I am actively going through on a regular basis. I'm unfollowing people. It's not about you. It's not about you if I unfollow you. It's about me and where I am in my life and the fact that your content is not resonating with me. I will unfollow. I don't care if we're related. I don't care if we're friends in real life. If that content is not serving me in this moment, I will unfollow you. I block, I mute whatever it takes to make sure that when I open my feed, it is not draining. It does not feel like I am leaking energy all over the place. That also goes for the amount of time I spend. There are days where I don't look at a single DM and I know there are hundreds in there that I have not read, but I do not have the capacity and Mm -hmm. I'm saving my capacity for my husband, my son, myself, you know, my family. So setting and holding boundaries with yourself and figuring out maybe where you are leaking the most energy when it comes to your phone and kind of shoring up those gaps can be incredibly impactful. I just wanted to thank you because you responded while I was reading your book. I sent you um, a boundary I was having trouble with and you actually responded to it. And I thought that that was so cool. And I I know, no, (laughs) but that's like just a testament to how much you care about this and how much you want even strangers to really resonate with it because you know that people are going to live better lives from it. There's something I do now that makes me feel a little Kourtney Kardashian, guys. And (laughs) I never really did this before, but I feel like as I get older, as I start adulting, as I learn more about ingredients and things and how they affect me and my body and my skin as my skin's changing, I now will do like a deep dive into something before I buy it. And that's not something I necessarily did before. And I started doing this 
with CBD. So when it comes to like stress or sleep products, um, I love using CBD to help me like when I'm stressed out or I need help sleeping. And I did a bunch of research and there was a study done by an independent lab, which confirmed that some brands of CBD contain actually up to 60% less CBD than they claim on the label, which I thought was crazy. Which is why my go-to now is Next Evo Naturals, because you can trust when you buy Next Evo CBD products that you're getting the best of the best. And they're actually the most clinically studied CBD brand on the market, which I was very impressed with. That is impressive. I've found that it helps with trouble sleeping. It has a better absorbency and it's fast acting. And whenever I'm really feeling stressed, the middle of the day, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to take a little bit of Next Evo and the stress definitely melts away a little bit. You And you wake up feeling refreshed when you do take this at night, by the way. It's not one of those things totally. like, you know how, like, I know that you take, you, you've taken, I'm like, like a, like melatonin, a melatonin, in the past. Yeah, but Next Evo is like, you take it, you go to sleep very quickly because it's fast. It's better absorb. It's better absorption. Um, It makes me feel refreshed so I don't wake up feeling extremely tired. You know how there's, like, when you do take melatonin and stuff, you are like, okay, I need to make sure that I have 10 hours of sleep. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to budget your time. Yeah, anyway, not with this. If you guys want to try Next Evo and upgrade your CBD, go to nextevo.com slash get it to get 20% off your first order of $40 or more. That's 20% off $40 or more at nextevo.com slash get it. I love what you said about self stuff and social media. It's so true. Like I work, I'm a TV host and even now I'm like, do I need to follow every entertainment account to know like the news that's happening. Like, I don't even want to open Instagram and like have the first thing pop out with someone's death or, you know, I feel like I always have to be on top of those things. But even hearing you talk, I'm like, God, that's a lot. But I actually have a social media manager now. And now, Ashley, what I did with her is I, um, I set aside one hour every Monday where I wrote out all my captions and everything so that during the week, I'm not like spending time responding to that. I'm sure you probably already do that. So Melissa, you mentioned um, you got married and you kept it to yourself for six weeks and you have a son. I um, was listening to you on another podcast. I'd love to move into the partner boundary category. I was just going to ask you to do that. Yeah. (laughs) They'll have a lot to ask you. I don't um, have a boyfriend, but you said something in a podcast that I was like, oh... I'm going to struggle with this when I find a partner. And you had moved into a house. I'm sorry if I got this story wrong, but you moved into a house and your husband hadn't moved in yet. You wanted to wait and see when your son was sort of ready for him to move in. And then when that happened, you were like, oh shit, like it's kind of, I'm kind of struggling to share space with someone else. I'm so CD, I'm so clean. I love my home. And I tell Ashley and Lauren all the time, I'm really going to struggle. We're so worried for her. Yeah. But I have friends that have boyfriends now, even that had lived in a house and the boyfriend moved into their home that they had. And that they're like, I would just want the house to myself sometimes. Yeah. So what boundaries can people in that situation set? What can they say? Yes. Uh, in those scenarios. My husband and I had some very frank conversations. I mean, our communication style is incredibly direct. It's still very kind, but you know, one, my relationship golden rule in the book is say what you mean and trust your partner to do the same. We don't do passive aggressive. We don't do hints. We don't expect each other to mind read. We have very open and transparent conversations. And when he started to spend more time at the house, like nights and nights in a row, 
I remember saying to him, like, do you think that we could get married, but like not live together? And he was like, no, no, that would not work for me. And I, I was knew like, a okay. couple who did that. They I were think married it's... for over 15 years and they lived in separate apartments in separate towns. I Your neighbors, think... right? And we know, yeah, actually. Oh my God, I remember them. I was so astounded. I, you can do it any way you want. And yeah. if that works for them, I think that's amazing. And I love that example. That was not going to work for my now husband. So I went back to therapy. I legitimately went back to therapy to say, I need to figure out how to share space with the person again, energetically. So a few of the things that I did, the first thing that I did was I had to, again, recognize where all my energy was going. I felt like I just didn't have enough energy to connect with someone who was always in my space. And it was because I was leaking energy out mostly into my phone, mm. mostly into social media, DMs, comments, mm. and also a little bit with my kid. I kind of was like hovering with my kid, making sure he was okay, didn't need anything. My husband was like, you don't have to do that. He's fine. And so that helped. He and I also had conversations where I was like, I require more alone time than anyone you have ever met. It is not Amen. about you. Yes, yes, yes. I am yes. never mad at you. If I'm mad at you, you'll know because I will yeah. have told you. It's not about you. It's not anything you've done. You cannot take it personally, but I need alone time to recharge. So when I do that, I'm going to say things to you like, I'm going to go in the bedroom for an hour and read by myself. Cool. I'm going to go off for a hike this afternoon. And he'll say, do you want me to come? And I'll say, no, I do not. And he'll say, okay, cool. No problem. But we set that stage early so that when I do need alone time, he now knows it's not about him. He's not taking it personally. It's so that when I come back to him, I'm happier. I'm more open. I'm more connected. I feel like I've got some of my battery back. So that super helped too. And he also knows that I like spending time alone in the house. So there are times where he'll be like, I'm going to go visit my parents for the weekend. I'll take the dog. You know, you just like chill at the house for the weekend. And I'm like, sweet. That is amazing. So we have this, but all of this came because we had really good communication and weren't afraid to ask each other for what we needed. You go first, Lauren. Lauren's engaged. I'm oh. married and as a single. So we have kind of like a nice handful yeah. here. Yeah. Um, okay. So you were talking about um, boundaries, creating boundaries with your partner, but also not taking away like their agency and like their free will. Um, so there is an issue, I guess. Um, like I've made it known that it bothers me when my fiance drinks and drinks mm -hmm. too much. And that's just like, I don't deal with that. I'm, I'm an introvert like you and my fiance is the most extroverted person you'll ever meet and drink and then come home. But when he's drunk, I hate that. So he needs for himself to go out and be social mm -hmm. yeah. and I need to be in. So uh -huh. like, how do I tell him? You can go yes. be social, but do not come home to me blasted, you know? Yes. So there is an entire section in the romantic relationships chapter where I talk about disparities in social needs. If one mm -hmm. partner needs to go out more, if one partner wants to stay home more, if one partner needs more friends, if the other partner needs more quality time. But you can't set a boundary that says don't come home drunk or exactly. don't drink yeah. so much because that's yeah. telling him what to do. What you can do is remove yourself from that situation. So it's, oh, you're going to go out tonight? Okay, cool. Let me know on a scale of one to 10 how rowdy it's going to be. Oh, tonight's like an eight? Cool. Have so much fun. Get home safe. Take an, take an Uber. I'm going to be in the guest room tonight. I'm going to sleep in the guest room. To okay. And you remove yourself from the situation mm -hmm. or you put them in the guest room, but whatever is easier for you. I like to go downstairs and get all tucked in so that when he comes in you know, upstairs, he's not like um, disturbing me. But you remove yourself from that situation. And then... He has the choice to make. If he wants to come home and sleep next to you and he really wants that, he'll drink less because mm -hmm. if he drinks less, that is comfortable for you. 
if he really just wants to go out and tie one on and like is cool with that, then everybody's happy. He gets to go have the experience he wants safely. You don't have to navigate it because you're downstairs tucked away with your book and your whatever. He comes home, sleeps it off, and you wake up in the morning and like everything's a little bit better. Now, there may be a conversation to be had down the road around the idea that I don't want my life to, and I'm not saying that this is for your relationship, but no, for others, yeah. I don't want, I don't want our life to revolve around alcohol this much. That does not feel good to me. It doesn't feel safe to me. It doesn't feel healthy to me. That might be a conversation you have down the road. Mm-hmm. But for now, if it's just, he likes to go out, stay out late, come home drunk. I don't love it. Go sleep downstairs. Yeah. Actually, that's kind of what I do. Like my parents live like 20 minutes away. So sometimes I'll just go sleep over mm-hmm. here. Um, also, we just get in more arguments when he comes home and we talk afterwards. So I just mm-hmm. want to avoid all the arguments. Like it could be over the dumbest thing. So that's kind of like the path that we're headed and we'll see if we end up at that conversation that you mentioned. But yeah. Melissa, yeah. this brings up a great point. Should that conversation be had up front or should it just be like something you do? Do you just go to the parents' house, go to the guest room? Oh, you have the... Co- Oh, you definitely have the conversation. You have to have Because if you don't, it's somewhat passive aggressive. It's somewhat like if he gets home and you're just not there, that can create even more problems. So you have the conversation up front. I don't love it when you come home drunk. And here's why. Uh, I don't like seeing you like that. It makes me really uncomfortable. We don't have great conversations when you are in an altered state of mind and it leads to more arguments. And that's not really good for my mental health or for our relationship. So what I'm going to do when you go out is we'll talk about it before you leave. If you tell me like you're going to go out, it might be a late night. I'm going to go stay at my parents. Everybody agrees on that situation. Then you figure out how often do you have to leave your own house to go stay with your parents because this is your fiance's choice. And that may be a point where you have a conversation where it's like, hey, three nights last week, I had to go stay with my parents because it was really important to you to go out and have as many drinks as you wanted And that does not work for me. That may be another conversation, but you are talking about this very clearly the entire way so that you have a shared set of expectations. Love that. Yeah. I am the mom of a 14 month old and I'm sure in the book that you have boundaries with kids. That would be right. Yes. It would be very missing if it wasn't. (laughs) Um, He's very, what they call spirited. He's very vibrant He's a handful, but he's like, because he's a handful, he's also like the most entertaining and so fun. There's so much personality in him. How do you possibly come up with toddler boundaries though? Yeah. Is there such a thing? There are. We started setting and holding and modeling boundaries for my son when he was that age. I am not a child psychologist. I would refer people to someone with a specialty in this area because as a child moves into a toddler, moves into, you know, an elementary school kid, their brains are changing and developing and the language that they use and the context in which they understand is different. But when my son was that age, I would say things to him like, oh, I can't pick you up right now. I have to put the groceries down first. And I would put the groceries down and pick him up. This is a boundary that, you know, I sometimes will not be able to accommodate your demand in the moment. Or I would say, if he would try to get my attention and I'm on the phone with my mom, I would say, I'm talking to Nana T, wait for one moment. And then quickly, but at an appropriate time, I would say, okay, what, what do I need from you? So I'm starting this process of recognizing that he does not have access to me every single moment of every single day, whenever he wants. I would also set and hold boundaries on his behalf. So when we would go visit my mom, who he only sees a few times a year because she lives far away, 
I would say to him, okay, it's time to say goodbye to Nana T. Do you want a hug? Do you want a kiss? Do you want a fist bump? Do you want a high five? Do you just want to wave? Because I'm teaching him that he has agency over his body and his choices, and he does not have to hug anyone he doesn't want to hug. He can Mm -hmm. be perfectly polite in saying goodbye without doing something he doesn't want to do. And so as he got older, the boundaries kind of shifted. You have to knock before you come into our bedroom. You can't leave your room in the morning until your frog alarm clock glues green. And now he feels very comfortable setting boundaries with us. Yeah, I would love for you to come to my school today for my birthday celebration, but don't hug me when you get there, okay? And I'm like, cool, yeah, no sweat. (laughs) (laughs) I love that so much. Ash, I was wondering, because Ashley and and her husband also own like a business. Mm -hmm. When you're like the owner of a business, do you have boundaries we can set then? Because it's almost like you can... It's not with another employer. It's technically with yourself. And so you can be on the clock always. Yeah, that kind of goes back to the documenting your life on social media thing. Like you could do it constantly. Yes. Yeah. I mean, those are, as an entrepreneur, the boundaries that I set with myself are the most important because again, capitalism and hustle culture makes us feel like we have to take advantage of every opportunity, work 24-7. You know, the global nature of businesses, of of social media these days means that there are people in your comments and in your DMs literally 24-7. So I quickly figured out that I had to set and hold boundaries to make sure that my work environment and my creativity and my energy were sustainable. So one of the first and most important boundaries that I've set and hold to this day is I don't look at my phone until my morning routine is done. Mm -hmm. I don't pick up, I don't look at email, I don't look at Slack, I don't look at social media, Until I get up, I do my cold shower, I do my workout, I come home, make some breakfast, and then I work. I don't schedule meetings or calls before 10 a.m. And unless Mm -hmm. it's an absolute emergency, those mornings are for me to get my morning routine done, come in, check email in a relaxed fashion, and that's when my day starts. As an entrepreneur, you can do it any way you want. There was a long period of time in the earliest days of Whole30 where I took every Tuesday off from work because I was working every single weekend. I was traveling to do Whole30 workshops on the weekends. And so I didn't have days off. And so I started taking Tuesday off and everybody was like, you can't do that. You can't just take Tuesdays off. The rest of the world works on Tuesdays. And I was like, okay. And people figured it out. They figured it out real fast that if they emailed me on Tuesday, they wouldn't get a reply on Wednesday, that I don't take calls on Tuesday. I'm offline completely. So You can do it any way you want, but you have to be the one to establish those boundaries and then you have to be the one to hold them or they are meaningless. And you have to take time to get clear on what those are, right? Like you have to sit down and take time and say, okay, what are my rules? What am I going to do? What am I going to implement? How am I going to phrase this? Maybe practice it. I'm sure practicing saying stuff beforehand, Melissa, probably helps people, right? Because setting a boundary can be really nerve wracking, especially when it comes to setting boundaries with friends, which is kind of where I wanted to (laughs) move this conversation. Um, Friends is a hard one. And I think it's a hard one for me in particular because I'm really busy. And so sometimes I'll have friends that really, really want to hang out that I think they think I'm sort of ignoring them, but I just don't have the bandwidth or capacity to put something on the calendar. Uh, What are some boundaries that you have found that people struggle with when it comes to friendships? Yeah. So friendships are tricky. I think that breaking up with a friend is even harder than breaking up with a romantic partner. People expect Mm -hmm. that you're going to have a bunch of romantic partners. You're going to date people. They're not going to be the right one. And then you're going to meet the one and you're going to get married. But friendships just feel harder to set boundaries with because you it's expected that you have multiple friends. And so one friend does not have to fit 
all of your needs. And it's sort of like, well, I'm going to overlook this terrible behavior from this person because I've known them since high school. There's like this, you know, sunk cost fallacy where you've invested so much time and energy with them. The most common areas I see with friendships include um, some form of, again, like emotional vampires, whether the person is uh, the victim. There's always something wrong. They only want to talk about them. They never want to talk about you. They ask you for advice. They don't take it. And then the next time you have a conversation, it's Groundhog Day. There's always something to complain about. And when you say, hey, can I tell you about this work promotion I just got? They make you feel like a jerk because how dare you talk about something good when their life is so hard? That's a really common one. Emotional vampires come in a few different flavors. You can have the narcissist who just always wants to be in control and really only wants you around if you are serving their needs. You can have the controller. So somebody who is just always trying to manipulate, always trying to just control, always trying to be in charge, always offering you unsolicited advice. But I think those are some patterns that are, you know, really tricky in friendships to navigate. Um, You may have you know, friendships in which somebody is always borrowing things from you and not paying it back, or somebody's always trying to one-up you, or somebody's talking about you behind your back or always gossiping about other people. Those are all situations in which you can leave a friendship, a situation, a coffee date feeling just so emotionally drained. And that's your first red flag that a boundary is needed. Yeah, I feel like you have to be more polite with your friends, with your partner. You can be like, you didn't pay me back, you know? Yeah. With a friend, you're gonna be like, Uh, I'm just going to ignore this. I'm just going to ignore this or I'm going to send them a very passive aggressive Venmo request or something. Like even in that small thing, it's so much more delicate because you can yell at your partner or your family, but your friends, you got to be nice to. I mean, but do you? You don't have to. No, no. I feel like I'm never mean to friends. I would be scared. scared. That this is what I mean that friends is the hardest one. Yeah, yeah. It is hard. You feel like you're walking on the most eggshells and you feel like anything you say could create or sever or or like tear something that's almost like can't go back on, you know, Okay, or it's going to change the relationship forever. It might, but do you want a friendship in which the only way you can maintain this friendship is if you show up in a very specific way that is approved by them? Because that's not the kind of friendship I want. I want to be able to show up as my full self, my authentic Mm -hmm. self. And if I have to somehow contort myself or make myself small or change who I am just to maintain that relationship, I don't want that relationship. So that's something that you have to think about. I don't want you to be nice. We are nice by doing or saying things that we think other people want to hear. And we think we're being nice when we hold our tongues, when we let it slide, when we say yes, when we mean no, but it's not nice because then we carry resentment. We carry anxiety. We show up and we're grumpy about it. And they don't know why, because we said, Mm -hmm. yes, I don't want you to be nice. I want you to be kind. And when you're kind, you identify your feelings and your needs and you share them clearly. That is kind. Saying yes when you really mean no, I can't is not kind and it hurts the relationship. We have to take a minute to talk about Rocket Money. You guys, if you listen to this podcast regularly, you know how much we love, love, love Rocket Money. And this is another reason that I love it. I'm realizing that subscription services all of our streaming services is what I'm talking about specifically, is really adding up to just be cable. You know that in a couple of years, people are... I know. I saw the Instagram post and I posted that. And it's like, think about it, guys. 
in a couple of years, we're going to be like, you know, it'd be really cool if somebody condensed all our TV <laughs> onto one service yeah. and then it's going to be, yeah, satellite or cable. Totally. If there is a service that you are getting and you're realizing, wow, I never watch anything on that platform, Rocket Money is for you. And Rocket Money is free. You guys can get it without having to pay anything. Then you hook up your credit cards and your bank accounts to it. It's super safe. Even me, who's crazy about sharing that info, trust the protection that they have. And it really will save you money. Not only is it going to show you subscriptions that you no longer may want, but it can help negotiate your bills lower. Like truly, truly. Um, It knows like if you have, let's say cable, it's like if you have Cox cable and they're like, well, switching over to Verizon cable would be cheaper for you and we can do it for you. That's something that they do. It's really cool. And then, of course, they're great with budgeting and helping you invest and plan financially in the long term. It's genius. And actually, over 3 million people have used Rocket Money. And the average person saves up to $720 a year. So stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash get it. That's rocketmoney.com slash get it, rocketmoney.com slash get it. Do you find that like, I know we always talk about millennial versus Gen Z, but I feel like what I've been seeing recently, and especially with my younger clients, they say what they want. Like, it's crazy. Like, they're like, that made me feel weird. And I'm like, I would never say that, but you're like, good for you. Yes. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't think there's like a lot of tact to it. I think that they like make you feel weird about there is like a ballet of making you feel uncomfortable, but also like heard, you know. I feel like I know this is really dumb, but I'm going to say it anyway. A little flowery language makes me feel better. Like, if yours is to say, can you not text me after? like we were talking about earlier if you were to change it to be like i know this is i know this is wrong i know what i'm about to say is wrong but it's i'm not gonna say it if my friend were to word it being like i know this is really weird but i'm trying this new thing where i don't text people after eight so if you could look can you not for like a little while saying it like that like don't text me me after eight so much better than could you not text me after eight because i'm trying to get work done totally understand little flowery language. There is a line, right? So some people will say no is a complete sentence. And I'm like, technically true. But in a lot of situations and a lot of conversations, that no is too stark. It's too rude. There's no context. There's no connection. Correct. Then on the other end of the spectrum, Mm -hmm. it's the, oh my gosh, like, I know this is so dumb and I'm so sorry, but like, Mm -hmm. I'm really trying not to talk on my phone after eight. And I know it's wild and like, probably (laughs) you probably don't even want to do it, but Maybe you could stop texting me after eight, but if you don't want to, it's no big deal. Go ahead and text me anyway, right? That's the other end of the spectrum. It's We're the not apologetic woman in us. Yeah, Correct. Yeah. yeah. There is something in the middle and I change my language depending on who I'm talking to. I okay. know the people I can be very direct with. My mm-hmm. sister the other day, I called her and I was like, hey, we want to come to San Diego to visit. And she was like, cool. I would love for you to come. You can't stay with us this visit. We've had too many people in the house. It's like making me crazy. I'm like, awesome. We'll find an Airbnb. Done. That conversation mm-hmm. took like two seconds. I would not have that same conversation with my mom. I would say it differently. So if I'm talking to you and I know that you are new to boundaries and I know that you're new to speaking clearly and kindly, I would add a little bit of context to my request. And that would make it easier for you to receive it Perfect. and more gentle. And then once we got to know each other better, 
Yeah. Then I can be like, don't text me after eight. And you'd be like, cool. And that's it. Yeah, End of the conversation. Oh, yeah, shit, right. Forgot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. totally. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Love what, that. What yeah. I, what I have found is like, and Ashley Lauren, you can tell me if this is like wrong because this is my experience with you guys, but I like really only want to be available for friendships where I can say that. And I feel like if I said that to you and Lauren, like you and Lauren wouldn't think I was being mean. You would be like, oh, okay. Right? I, I think if you if you said it in a way that was like not don't text me. Yeah, you're like, hey, just trying to no, do this. No, I was like, hey, I'm not gonna answer texts after eight anymore, just letting you guys know. Like you guys oh, yeah. wouldn't be you wouldn't like make it it wouldn't be weird between us, would it? Not on my No, end. it wouldn't be weird. I don't think so. <laughs> Does that mean yeah? But at the and same he- time, I would think you would want to hear from me all the time, you know? No. <laughs> well, you just kidding. <laughs> I just want to say in that situation. Mm-hmm. Naz sends a text and says, hey, I'm not answering texts after 8, 8 p.m. Lauren and Ashley say, okay, cool. Next time you guys chat, after you have said, heard this boundary, respect it, you can both say, hey, Naz, what's going on? You mentioned not answering texts after 8 p.m. Like, are you doing okay? Are you losing sleep? Is your mental health okay? Like, how can we support you? That's so good. this is not, you're not like demanding information in order to say yes, but you are following up in a really supportive way that deepens your connection. That's how you can respond in situations like that. Okay. Do you know what I was going to say? I was going to say, it sounds like she's dealing with our friendship like a business. But you know, I wouldn't say it like that, Ashley. I'd be like, hey, for my mental no, health. You said, not you said, that's what you said. You said, if I say this, what do you think you'd respond with? Right. But I think you know that I would probably give context and be like, hey, I'm not with like you, I'm in brick mode. Or I'd know not. what yeah. it would be. With you, I'd know that's what, it would what be. I'm saying. That's what I'm okay. saying is okay. like, you wouldn't think I was like mad at you. I mean, no, I, don't think not, would I, think I wouldn't that. take it no. personally. Yeah, I would not take it personally no. from yeah. you. No, that was my question. That was my question because okay. what like, do you do, Melissa? Like, I feel like I only want to be available for friendships that understand like my lifestyle. Like when I told you guys, I'm going away for a week. I'm going to be off the grid. I need this week for myself. I I went away. And then Lauren, you were like, when are you back? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like, oh, okay, well, we still need you to record that. You know what well, I mean? No, like, yeah. We didn't even ask like, you like, yeah, to record that like, week. We were like, was, and it we was set it stone. Exactly. That's yeah. what I'm saying. This is and- where clear communications and expectations setting comes in super handy. Anytime someone new joins my company, anytime I hire someone new, I have this conversation. I'm like, hey, just so you know, I'm East Coast. I'm very direct. I probably won't reach out unless I need something. And if you don't hear from me, it means you are doing a great job. I will try to remember because it's not in my nature to reach out proactively once in a while to be like, love that thing you did. You're doing awesome. Love to hear from you. This is my personality. If you need more communication from me, tell me. Happy to do mm-hmm. it. If you need less directness, especially as we're getting to know each other, tell me. But we have this upfront so that when I send a note to my new IT person and I say, hey, can you update this? He's not like, wow, that was short. Is she mad at me? Is everything okay? I love that because I am that person email. Naz is always saying, Ashley's so short via text and email. I'm just trying to get to the point. It's I'm I'm saying it very nicely. (laughs) Wait, when did I I say that? Oh, you've always said that I've I've been curt via text. Oh, that was probably years ago. Probably was years. Year. It was. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's that's not Naz Naz upgrade this version of Mac. <laughs> I'd, be like, okay. I'd be like, yeah, good, Ashley. Because I'm the same way. What do you do, Melissa, in a situation with a friend, a partner, specifically with friends? Because I think this one's like the most, the hardest when they don't take it well. Mm-hmm. I have space, grace, and FaceTime. First of all, give them space. 
How someone immediately shows up in the presence of a boundary may not be how they're going to show up. They may feel defensive. They may take it personally. They may be hurt or embarrassed that you're pointing out something they've been doing that wasn't particularly healthy or helpful. So the way they show up in the media may not be how they're going to show up. Just give them some time and space. Don't Mm -hmm. push them right then and there. And show them some grace. You know, if they have not had boundaries modeled for them and they don't feel like they have permission in their own lives to ask for what they need, they may see you doing it and it may bring up some really strong feelings. They may be jealous. They may be resentful. They may think, who the hell does she think she is? So give them some grace to, you know, kind of have some compassion as they think about what this boundary means and then follow it up as you can with some FaceTime. Hey, you know, it's been a couple of days. I know we talked about this. I'd love to talk about it more. Are you open for a conversation or do you want to go have coffee? If you can get to that point where you've given them some space, you've showed them some compassion, and then you come back together, there's a really good chance they're going to show up differently for you then. And that's when you can go deeper into why this boundary is so meaningful to you and how it's going to help your relationship. That's great, Melissa. As someone who's single and who's dating, I also wanted to ask you, what are boundaries we can set with a new potential partner? And like that area is really nuanced and really sticky. You meet someone you like... How do you express your needs and and not scare someone off if it's like too early? You know, yeah. if you're like, hey, I need you. You know, I, I think I don't want to like shit on um, the opposite sex, but I think... <laughs> you want to be the cool Some... girl that's like, yeah, whenever you want to hit me up, I'm ready, you know? <laughs> yeah. But it's like, no, no, please don't. Yeah, so... Some guys will be like, when are you free? And then I'll say when I'm free. And then it's like, the answer is like not clear, you know? And it's like, and they're like, oh, we'll figure it out. And it's like, I don't have that kind of lifestyle. If you want to figure out when we're going to hang out, I'm literally never going to see you mm-hmm. because I have a life. Yes. Uh, I love setting boundaries early as a litmus test for a new relationship. Because if on the first date you say something like, oh, no, I don't drink. No, I'm not drinking right now. And they pressure you to have a glass of wine, red flag. Can you tell your STD check story with yes. your husband? Yeah. Oh, uh, such that's a good the other one, thing, right? So my husband and I started dating and, you know, we started to get intimate. And I said to him, um, either you are wearing a condom every single time or until we both go get tested for STDs, come home, swap uh, panels. If everything's clear, then we can like, I have an IUD, so I'm not worried about birth control, but I am worried about STDs. So once we swap, whatever. I didn't say a word after it. I didn't say anything. I didn't tell him where to go. I didn't tell him what to get tested for. I said nothing. And he showed up like a week later and he's like, here's my STD panel. And I was like, cool, here's mine. And that was it. We were done. But anytime you set a physical boundary with a potential partner, whether it's I'm not ready for that, whether it's I am not having sex with you without a condom or I don't like PDA, that is a huge litmus test. And if they cannot respect that very clear and very simple request red flag relationship as like it's it's out the door okay that's great then you can get your you can get your uh google invite cal whatever that you enjoy for dates you know she got she got an iCal invite for a date and she thought it was the biggest turn on and then we we were at first we were a little bit weirded out and then we're like you know what and i was like did we shit on it and then we realized it was great this is yeah but that's like another really simple thing that you can do now as you can say you know if we want to get together i'm gonna have to schedule it i need it to fit around my other commitments if they choose to schedule it, cool. If they don't, that is not the person for you. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, that it's not unreasonable. 
it is a little, you know, a nice little test of like, how willing are you to hear my needs and how capable are you of meeting them? And cow invites are panty droppers for me. Yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Sorry to say. <laughs> when do you get too rigid in setting boundaries? Because is this all sounding a little bit too type A? And I'm type A. I am also type A. But here's the thing. Boundaries, the best boundaries are flexible, not rigid. And I am always checking in with myself to say, "Is do I still need a boundary here? Is this the boundary I need here? And if not, how can I communicate that differently? Boundaries are designed to keep you safe and healthy and improve the relationship. If the boundary you set a year ago is no longer necessary to keep you safe and healthy or improve the relationship, you should be flexible and change it. So mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. When my ex-husband and I divorced like 10 years ago, some of our mutual friends, especially there was like one woman in particular, we would get together and she would want to badmouth my ex. And I think she was doing it in solidarity with me, like yeah. showing me support, but I, it was not the energy that I needed and I did not enjoy it. And so I would say to her, we went out for dinner one night and I said, Hey, X is like off this, off the topic of conversation. We are not, I don't want to talk about him. I don't want to bring him up. Like, let's talk about anything, but, and she was like, oh, okay, cool. She thought she was being helpful. I let her know it wasn't helpful. Now, when I see her, she may occasionally be like, oh, you know, oh, we bumped into your ex at this, whatever. I don't say that anymore. It's not a big deal anymore. I don't care anymore. So my boundary has changed and I don't need to hold that so rigidly. And if I did hold it rigidly, it would feel weird to me and it wouldn't feel good for the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to be flexible and that requires you to constantly check in and say, do I still need a boundary here? And is this the boundary Mm -hmm. that I need? And if it's not, you make changes. Great question, Ashley. I feel like we're just with the oracle of the person with all the answers. I just had a, I just had a thought. Uh, you're dating a guy. This, this has never happened to me, but I've heard so many stories like this. You're dating a guy. He likes other women's photos or is really close, has a, has a friend that's a girl, right? Mm-hmm. And she was in his experience before you came along. Mm-hmm. How do you set a boundary when you're first dating someone, but they have like a best friend that's another woman that may be triggering to you and maybe something you need to look at, obviously, within therapy, within yourself. But aside from that, I wanted your advice on like things you can say in those situations to any yeah. partner of any gender. Here's the first thing that you say. Okay, when can I meet her? That's it. When can I meet her? Because if there is no meeting, if there is awkwardness in the meeting, if she is not really warm and friendly to you, um, that's a big red flag. My husband and I both have really close friends of the opposite sex. And one of the first things I did was I was like, oh, this is my friend Drew. You're going to love him. We're super tight. We're super close. I can't wait for you to meet him. Let's all go to dinner so you can get to know each other better. And now the two of them hang out by themselves and oh, it's great. so nice. Right. So that's a huge litmus test. It's also, you know, are they hiding when they spend time with them? Are there weird, like you get a feeling you get to know, but I think the very first question is just like, great, when can I meet them? And then figure out what that kind of scenario looks like. Love it. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, Melissa, this has been an honor and a pleasure. It's been Thank you so much. full of yeah. goodness. Uh, and we are so appreciative. Can you tell everyone where they can find more about you and the book. All, the, all the books. All the books. All yes. the books. All I the guess things. they're all on Amazon. Is that where you want people to buy them? Yeah, you can find me at Melissa U on Instagram. I'm Melissa underscore you on TikTok. And my website is MelissaU.com. And I've got the book of boundaries and all of my other whole 30 books and stuff linked there. Yeah. 
And guys, Perfect. all her socials are amazing because she'll go through different scenarios, like every video. And I highly recommend, highly, highly recommend getting the audible version of the book of boundaries because each chapter is sometimes like an hour long. So it's basically like listening to a nice podcast. Mm-hmm. And I think if you especially struggle with the workplace one, which I think a lot of us do in America, listen to chapter three. And and what's cool is you can skip to the chapters, right? Mm-hmm. Like you don't necessarily need to like listen in order, which I also think is really helpful. And there's yeah. scripts and like actual lines you can use in your everyday life to try yes. out. It was really fun to read out loud and hearing somebody say it out loud, I think, can help take away some of the scariness of them. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, we love you, so Melissa. Much. Thanks for joining the Appreciate I Don't Get you. Podcast. Thank Bye. you. This was so fun. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I don't get it. Podcast.